0: We're going today to the book of Romans, the book of Romans, chapter number seven. This is, a, this is a wonderful chapter, but if you don't slow down reading it, it can really, really mess with you a little bit. Romans chapter seven, the apostle is speaking about the power of the law and how it hath dominion. In a man's life until he dies and he begins to make comparison with the spirit and with the flesh. And he says that if it wasn't for the law, if it wasn't for the scripture, then he said, I would have never even known that I was a sinner. But now I know that I'm a sinner. And I got to keep it beat down every day in my life or I'm going to keep on sinning. Amen. He said it's a constant, a constant struggle. So I I would like for us, if we could, to just hit a couple of high points passing down through here. It is so very important that we get uh, a portion of this for where we're going to draw our text, but I, I believe that you can help me today. Let's go to verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. The law is spiritual, but I am carnal. I'm sold... Under sin. Now, here's the part that gets a little confusing, okay? So we're going to work through it. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, what I should be doing, what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, I do. So here's the English version of this, okay? what I really want to do, what I should be doing, what I know is righteous, I have a really difficult time doing that, and sometimes I end up doing what I despise and wish I wouldn't have done. Somebody pinch yourself and say, I'm human like Paul was. Now, he said, if I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. It brings me back into alignment. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Understand, folks, that if it's not in your heart, it doesn't happen. But if it's in there, it's coming out it's going to happen he said i know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for to will is present with me but how to perform that which is good i find not for the good that i would i do not but the evil which I would not do, that's what I end up doing. If I do that, that I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. You kind of catch the theme of what he's saying. There's that fine line, what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing. And in my flesh, I'm always leaning in the wrong direction. Verse 25 I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. I serve the law of God with my mind, but with the flesh the law of sin. I want to preach to you today a very simple and elementary sermon we're going to try to keep this like domino's pizza, okay? If it takes too long for delivery, we'll give you a full refund. Okay. I want to preach to you today the war within. The war within, and you may be seated. I remember being a child and reading through Romans 7 and trying to make sense of the King James language. Paul's saying, what I would, I shouldn't, and I did, and when I couldn't, I tried, and I wished I wouldn't had, and it's like rolling around, and you're like, what in the world is this guy saying? And the older I get, and the more I grow in Christ, the more it starts making sense to me that anybody that's ever put their foot in a shoe, anybody that's ever got up with smelly breath, anybody that's ever woke up and their hair sticking up on their head, anybody that's ever walked, breathed air. They've been through some stuff. They've had to learn if they're successful in life, that success does not come by what people hand you. but success comes by what you're willing to grind after and go for and to dig after it. It's really, it's, it's really um, kind of a foreign concept to successful people that the way to success is to be handed everything you have. You know, there's a great percentage, the last time I read it, I'm sure it's changed since then, there's a great percentage of the wealthiest people in the world that really never had anything given to them. They just went after it. And most of the time, people that are wealthy from inheritance, it doesn't last. Because somebody that didn't have to grind for it, they'll just take it and throw it away and it doesn't really matter. If. If they're handed that kind of an inheritance, then it, it doesn't mean anything to them. None of their blood and sweat is on the inheritance. You understand what I'm saying? Yet only in a society where we live with our hand out saying, Give it to me. It belongs to me. Whether I work for it or not, give it to me. Would a spirit be birthed that says, I deserve heaven. But I've never done anything to earn that reward. It is a very difficult thing when people paint the picture of a relationship with God that says He loves you just like you are, and He wants you to be happy. So whatever you do in life, just be happy, and it will please the Lord. It's a very famous doctrine, but it is not a biblical doctrine. It's a doctrine that has been produced through centuries of creedal doctrines that have been introduced to us by men that did not like particular portions of Scripture. So they would remove that portion of Scripture or rearrange it from their doctrine and they would Adhere to a creed and write a creed that says this is how God really wanted it. I was speaking with someone the other day about the, what's known as the Apostles' Creed, which is supposedly what they say the Apostles believe. But if you've ever seen the Apostles' Creed, you know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the Apostles did not believe what's in the creed. There was not one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb that ever saw the Apostles' Creed. It had absolutely nothing to do with the energy and the power that was released, the dunamis power that was released in the book of Acts in chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on you. And the power was not to come up with your own doctrine. The power was to be a witness unto Him. The words that he spoke, the words that he left us with, he said, these works that I do shall you do, and greater works. You know what that leads me to believe? Yes, it means we're supposed to walk in power. Yes, it means that we're supposed to have demonstration. But it also leads me to understand that Jesus is not coming back for less of a church than what he left. Jesus said the church that I'm coming back for will be a church of power, a church of authority, people that have learned you don't have to live with your flesh having dominion over you. You can walk out of sin and into eternal life. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. Now, I am fully aware that in, in your lifetime of serving God, that you're going to encounter and come across spiritual warfare. If you're not, then you're probably not living in the spirit, okay? So let's just throw this out. This is obvious. I'm not going to teach on spiritual warfare. I'm not going to take time to break down principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. It's for another day and another time, all right? I believe in it. It happens. It's there. If you've been in the kingdom of God for any amount of time, at all you have had to fight against the powers of darkness It's that simple But I want to tell you a little something Just, just write it down or what, whatever is going to help you remember this The enemy will not become any more powerful between now and the coming of the Lord Every limitation that is on him has been on him from the beginning. Everything from the way that he was created, his knowledge, his pipes that were in him, he was created to worship. His pipes were in him. He was literally a walking instrument that was to be used by God. Lucifer had nine stones that were within him, like a a, a breastplate, nine stones. If we had time, we'd talk about that a little bit. He lacked three from the priesthood. It's pretty powerful if you ever do a study about the three stones that are missing. But every limitation that Lucifer had was in him. And the only power that he has is what's given to him. He will never be more powerful tomorrow than he is right now. Hell wants you to believe that. It's going to be more and more and more difficult for you to live for God the further we go. Oh my God, it's so dark, the hour's so late. What are we going to do with all this darkness and all, oh my goodness. What are we going to do if the, if the Supreme Court turns all this up? Well, I want to tell you, before there was a Supreme Court, there were believers. What, 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 what are we going to do if so-and-so gets elected? Well, I want to tell you that before there were American politics, there were believers. And I'm going to tell you what we're going to have to do no matter who's in office or who's elected or who goes in the Supreme Court or what happens in the Supreme Court. We're going to have to do the right thing all the time and live for God. We must work while it is yet day. There is coming an hour where we're not going to be able to work. I know that because we're Americans, we think God is American. But folks, listen to me this morning and understand me when I tell you there are people right now that are living for God against the law. There are people right now that carry their Bibles with them every day at the risk that if someone finds them with that Bible, they will kill them. And we have Bibles in the land of the free and the home of the brave that haven't been opened in so long. They're covered in dust. People willing to die to carry it. And we leave it laying at the house. I read this thing. I know this is cliche and all that. I read this thing some time ago that said what would happen if we treated our Bible like we do our phone. It never leaves our side. It lays by our head at night while we're asleep. When you wake up in the morning, it's the first thing you check. What would happen if the last thing on your mind when you went to bed at night was he shall keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. What would happen if the first thing you did when you got up in the morning was stand on the word of God and declare that the blessings and the favor of God are on my life today. I'm blessed when I come in. I'm blessed when I go out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm a child of God. I've been called out, separated unto him. He's my father and I'm his child. It's going to be a great day. Wouldn't that be something? So, I know that we're dealing with, with the powers of darkness, okay? But they're not getting any more powerful than they are right now. There is going to be a time, if you understand any time prophecy, that the accuser is going to be released in the earth for a short time. And then after that, it's over. But as of right now, history would record... Spiritual understanding would certainly uh, show us without objection that the enemy has never convinced anybody to believe false doctrine. Never. The devil has never produced one false doctrine that destroyed a church. The devil has never closed the doors on one apostolic church ever. Oh yes pastor, yes he has Because I I know so and so that had an affair And his church got closed down You just spoke volumes So and so did it, not the devil You understand what I'm saying to you this morning? Well, isn't that the powers of darkness working? I would say more than likely it's somebody that's entertained the powers of darkness. But the number one problem was not the principalities and powers and the spiritual wickedness in high places and the rulers of the darkness of this world. The problem was the war within the mind of that human being that allowed the enemy access to a place that he should have never had access to. Let me take you to a garden Well I'm telling you the, the, the serpent man He came in there and he deceived those people How? How did it happen? Because he was given access to a place And a conversation that should have Never taken place God gave men The very first words that man heard When God breathed breath and life into him Was for him to be blessed To be fruitful and to have dominion There was a reason why the first words that were ever heard in the ear of mankind was you've got dominion. Because the Lord knew there would come a time in the life of Adam that there would be a serpent that would come along and try to distract and disrupt the flow of what God was doing. But Adam, understand son, you've got Dominion over that The battle will not be with the serpent The battle will be in your mind Of what you're dealing with Of what's God keeping from me What what does God not want me to know And I've heard it all my life I've heard it man I know I understand People, people, people don't want young people To go out in the world so they tell them This world has nothing to offer you That's a lie I don't, think he's into, I don't mean that in, a, in, a, in an ugly way, but it's a lie. The world has plenty to offer, but it's all temporal. I mean, dear God, have mercy. Nightclubs are full every night. It's not because it's boring. <laughs> Am I helping anybody right now? Oh, the world's got nothing to offer. Well, if the world had nothing to offer, then why are people tempted to walk away from God every day? It does have something to offer, but it offers different strokes for different folks. Yours may not be the the the, the flashing lights and the, the the disco ball and whatever of a nightclub yours yours could be anything it could be uh sitting at home watching things you shouldn't watch. oh he's not picky he'll th- he'll throw any kind of pitch at you you can he doesn't care, but you got to guard yourself because paul the the great apostle who wrote. Two-thirds of the New Testament. He said, man, I'm struggling in my life. There's things that I know I should be doing and I don't get those done. But the things that I hate and I know I shouldn't do, it's like somehow that always happens. Can I tell you, you cannot be spiritual enough and powerful enough to not have to defeat your flesh every single day of your life. The issue with the powers of darkness and the enemy and Lucifer, Satan, Slewfoot, whatever you want to call him. Is that his power is so limited and we already know the end of his story. Okay? So here's what you got to get settled in your mind. It's already in the book. It's done. We win. It's finished. He, he will be finished. He will not accuse anymore. The, the angel of the Lord is going to take a great chain, wrap him up, cast him into the bottomless pit. He will never accuse anymore. This is not even a battle. But what so many folks are calling spiritual warfare in their life is not spiritual warfare, it's a lack of self-discipline. Oh, man, I'm telling you, the devil's been fighting me. Oh, pastor, the devil's been fighting me. He's really been after me. I'm trying to live for God and the devil's been fighting me. Well, how do you know it's the devil? I'm going to tell you what the devil likes to do. The devil just likes to interject this little thing He already knows He doesn't have to do anything to you Because you've already got the ball rolling And you're so worried You'll stay up all night long Worried about what's going on And you'll start doubting God And he didn't have to do anything He just interjects just this little bit of hopelessness It's never going to get better You're going to come out on the backside of this thing God's not going to work in your favor And all you got to do is just believe it all you got to do. Just believe it. Just believe what he says and then his battle's done. He just walks off and does whatever and lets you just lay there and, and, and gravel in it. And, oh my goodness, I'm, do- I'm done. I guess God's not going to work for me. God didn't say that. That was the enemy that told you that. And it's your flesh that's believing it. But the apostle Paul said, who shall deliver me from this body of death? There is deliverance from this body of death. There is deliverance from the temptations of man. I believe today that the number one battle we're fighting in the church is not the gates of hell because Jesus already said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The number one battle is the war within a man. Is this all right? Yes, We're back at Holy Ghost Kindergarten this morning. This is something you've got to settle in your spirit. It doesn't matter to pastor this morning if you, this is your first Sunday or you've been here all your life. I want to tell you something. If you don't make it in the kingdom of God, it's not going to be the devil that keeps you from making it. And if you make it to heaven, it's not going to be God that gets you there. Whoa. That just kind of shifted gears right there, didn't it? I've never in my life, I've been in this, been in this all my life, and I've never ever seen God one time. I have never seen God one time in my life come down in an altar service Visibly manifest himself And beg somebody to repent Never Never one time in my life Have I seen somebody that's walking in the wrong direction Walk off into sin Walk off into adultery Walk off into whatever they're going to do And all of a sudden they're They're getting ready to walk off Tip that bottle up Whatever they're about to do And the angel of the Lord appear and say You know better Well if God wanted me to succeed He would have sent a messenger to me And he did How many times has the Lord spoken to you through men of God standing behind a pulpit that says, You got to be faithful. You got to live for God. You got to keep your heart in this. You got to keep your mind on the right things. And then we just walk out, and then when the enemy comes and puts that one little thought in our mind, we just go on doing our own thing. Then we get frustrated. God, why didn't God keep me from doing that? You understand what I'm saying? Why doesn't God just reach down inside my mouth and take my tongue and shake it and make me speak in other tongues? Because God needs a willing vessel. God needs somebody that's going to be willing to let him work in their life. That's why he does not fill people with the Holy Ghost until they've repented. It would have been a whole different game if Peter's understanding when the, when the men said, men and brethren, what shall we do if he would have just said, speak in other tongues and get baptized in Jesus' name. Why did he put repentance first? Because the greatest war is not against the sin of humanity. The greatest war is happening in your mind right now while this preacher's preaching. And the, the issue is, is until you get control of that and understand that, Then you think it's the enemy working and then when you pray against it and it doesn't change Then you don't think you have power against the enemy Am I helping you? So you're praying against it saying I bind every spirit of darkness I bind every power of darkness, that's good And it's probably working But that is not the enemy that's telling you to cheat on your wife That is your flesh and every safety switch that you have bypassed for month after month after month when every young, fine-looking girl walks by and you can't help but turn your head. That is not the enemy. Right. That's good. Woo! That's God's trying to deliver you from alcohol, but you go hang out with your friends that still drink because you're strong enough, you won't do it, and you start smelling it. You're going to get caught on just the right day Where you're thirsty enough And you've had just enough of life That it's going to sound just right And I want to tell you When you put that first drink in your mouth The devil had nothing to do with it uh, It's a little tight up in here on Sunday morning You, you know God, God delivered me God, God delivered me pastor From, from weed and I'm, I'm good now I'm good I can be around my old dealer. I can be around I I hey, I, I got this man. I mean my buddies can smoke it blow it right in my face and I'm good. I know what you're doing. I did not inhale. Church family, we make this so much more difficult than it really is. I don't want to blow your mind, and I, I certainly I, I don't, want, I don't want this to sound insensitive whatsoever, but you've heard you've heard me preach. If this is your first time here, you're gonna find out. I'm I'm a pretty simple preacher, but I want you to just I, I just want to make this plain right now before I ever get finished, okay? If you want to serve God, you will. You can be seated. That's all right. I said if you want to serve God, you will. If you want to leave your wife, you will. If you want to leave your husband, you will. If you want to drink, you will. If you want to smoke and cuss, and you, you will. Whatever you feed, that's what's going to have strength. Amen. If, if, if you struggle with your flesh and being faithful to your spouse for the love of everything holy, don't sit in front of a TV and watch stupid soap operas that everybody else is doing what you've been fantasizing about. Yeah. <laughs> huh. I wonder what would happen if people's Google searches were just wide open. I'm not I'm not just talking about I'm not just talking about porn right now. I'm talking about like things that people really search. Like Let's, let's just get real. I'm talking about stuff that you already know the biblical answer to, but you're looking for somebody to give you a different answer than the Bible. So you'll spend hours and hours Googling and YouTubing. and Well, what does so-and-so think about it? Here's the deal, folks. It don't matter what so-and-so thinks about it. Get it settled in your heart. If you get it settled in your heart, you're not going to get some bobo internet preacher to convince you that it's righteousness if the Bible says it's not. Oh man. Oh. You can escort me out of here today, okay? Oh, what am I doing? Pastor, the devil's been the devil's been fighting me. Folks, listen. God brings the children of Israel out of Egypt, brings them across the Red Sea, and 72 hours later, 72 hours after they walk through on dry ground, they come to bitter waters called Merah. They were just rejoicing, playing tambourines. Miriam was all up dancing and shouting and screaming, and all the women of Israel. I love asking people this question. Where do you think Miriam got her tambourine? She got it from Egypt. She took from the enemy something and began to use it to bring blessing and honor and praise to God. But when they came to a place of bitterness 72 hours after their sweet hour of deliverance, all of a sudden, the first thing that comes to mind is, let's go back. Where was the devil in that? I mean, was it, was it Pharaoh convincing them of that? No, because Pharaoh was under the water. You, you understand what I'm saying? They were fishing for what God buried. Oh, that was free. That was, worth the, that was worth the price of the ticket of admission right there. I preached this before several years ago. This dawned on me. It just kind of blew my mind a little bit when, when I started. I want you to think about the logic of humanity, okay? God brings him through the Red Sea. Now they're standing on the other side, and 72 hours later, their bitter water's called Mira. And this is what they said. They said, does God want us to die here, or should we just go back? Think about this. To get back to Egypt from where they were, God would have had to part the Red Sea again for them to get back. It was easier for them to believe that God would part the Red Sea for them to go back to Egypt than it was to believe that God could take this bitter moment and bring some sweetness to it in my life. Some of us are trying to figure out how to wait on the Lord and how to make this bitter moment sweet. But I want to tell you that bitter waters never get sweet when you turn back and go back to where you came from. The only way to make this thing happen is to make up your mind, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay right here until God moves. The war in my mind is not whether he's able. It's whether or not I'm willing to stay here until God moves. God has this thing that just turns his heart when somebody's got the audacity to stand up and say, God, I'm going to stay right here until this bitter thing becomes sweet. I'll stay here or I'll die thirsty. Either this will get better or I'll die without a drink. And then when you search the heart of God, you know it was never his will for you to die thirsty. This was another test to find out how bad you want to be free. God promised Abraham the land that flowed with milk and honey, but he never seemed to mention the wilderness. Because when you grab hold of the promise of God for generations before that, folks, Moses did not get the promise from God about the land that flowed with milk and honey. As in God speaking to him directly, saying, That's what I'm gonna give you for inheritance. That came from his forefather. That came by faith. It was something so powerful to him that Hebrews said, That being raised in Egypt, yet he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing to suffer the afflictions of Christ. To be with God's people. To do the right thing on a promise that God didn't even give him. You know what? I have never had the Lord tell me personally, myself, that he's coming back for me. That heaven is a place for me. I'm standing on the shoulders of a promise that came through the word of God. God doesn't have to speak to me directly and say that heaven is for me. It's already in the word. That's what I'm trying to get to you. It was already in the word. God had already put it in the heart of the people. There is a land that flows with milk and honey. But I don't have to tell Moses that. I need Moses to get it in the heart of the people. Hold on. Be faithful. You're going to see the promise. It's going to happen. You're going to see it. So the desire of man was backwards. The desire of God was getting further away from Egypt every day. Sometimes it's a process that takes 40 years. But every day they were moving towards their promise and away from their captivity. There is something in the scripture that I believe will help you if you'll let it take root. We read these scriptures often very quickly and we just... We just scroll across him, but in Mark 13 and 13, Jesus is speaking. And I, I mean, you, you, you want to know how, how tough it is to serve God. Just, just start reading red letters in your Bible, okay? If you don't under, understand anything else, just start reading red letters and find out if this is supposed to be a bed of roses, all right? This is Jesus speaking. This does not sound good. <laughs> you shall be hated of all men. For my name's sake. That's not not real diplomatic. That's not real American. You know that? (laughs) So if I serve God, what's he going to do? Going to give me a new Bentley? If I serve God, is he going to get me out of this financial mess and give me a new house? Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, folks, I know firsthand he's a blessing God. But if that's your motive, you're in trouble. You're going to be hated of all men for my name's sake. But you can read right past this and completely miss the mark of what he's saying. But he shall endure. You can't can't even speak that word without having some grit. Endure. Outlive it. Outlast it. Why didn't the Lord just let the three Hebrew boys get their reward when they stood? Because after they endured, not only did God show that he would bring them out, but God showed everybody else how powerful he was. It's hard to imagine that God would use your life to show all the people that are watching you right now just how big and bad he is. Wouldn't you hate to destroy the testimony of God? Him that endures till when? Does that mean the rapture? Or does that mean your end? Your expiration date? What if you don't see the rapture? You got to endure to the end. I'm talking about till you quit breathing. Till you draw your last breath and pull your feet up in the bed. And God says, It's over. Your race has been run. You have crossed the finish line. But until then, Jesus said, Endure. You know why I said that? Because he was a man acquainted with grief and sorrow. He was a man that understood coming to us in the form of his flesh. He was a man that understood what it was like to wrestle with the spirit. The language of enduring makes more sense to people that have had to endure some stuff. But refused to throw in the towel. Enduring makes more sense to people that have been in a garden all night long. Wrestling with the spirit of God and the will of God. And finally... He comes to his disciples that have fallen asleep while he's trying to endure. And he finally says to them, sleep on now, guys. Take your rest. Don't worry about this. You just go ahead and sleep. But I've got to do the will of him that sent me because I must endure. If it be willing, let this cup pass. But church family, God was not willing that the cup would pass. Because if the cup passes, then the purpose is not fulfilled. The battle in your mind today, it must be won. That if this trial lasts until your very last breath, you've got to endure until the end. I'm I'm hurrying today. Somebody shout endure. I want to go through this this morning. It's very important. James chapter 1. James 1 and 12. This is this is so powerful. If I, if I had a little more time, I'd deal with this in depth. But it's so good. James 1 and 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. No, I blessed is the man that don't get tempted. Well, he's not human. Right. Right. <laughs> blessed is the man that endureth. Durath. Oh, man, I love this right here. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Pay attention to this language. If you endure, when you stand in the trial of judgment before God, he's going to look at you and say you were made of something that was a little different than the average guy. You were able to endure. When times got tough, you squared up your shoulders and you just lived for God. When your family turned against you, you were there every time the doors were open. You endured. Enter in. Thou good and faithful servant. Faithful people endure something. Faithful people outlive something. Well, they're talking about me. They've been going behind my back. Endure it. Just endure it. Just give God praise. Keep on worshiping. Endure it. I'm I'm, I'm trying to hurry. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. He said, I'm not going to tempt you and then reward you because you didn't do it. Well, well, then wh- wh- where does the temptation come from? Well, here it is in the scripture. But every man is tempted. Y'all could preach this to me right now. Is that powerful or what? He said your temptation comes when you're drawn away by your own lust and enticed. There really is power in just looking the other way. There really is power in just walking away. There really is. Then, when lust hath been conceived. When lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. This is scripture, man. When it's conceived, when it's a seed... In the heart of a man, when lust is conceived, we're adults here. You understand what I'm saying? When lust is conceived, you know how conception happens? Intimacy. You know how lust is conceived? When you've been intimate with lustful thoughts. Oh, man. I'm, I'm trying to keep this PG right now. but Somebody's got to get this in your heart. What you love the most is what you'll give birth to. Mm. Lust, when it hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And when it is finished, it brings forth death. He said, do not err, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived. Don't, Don't go to the right or to the left. But also don't think you're some kind of superhero that's never going to be tempted. Just know this. If you're going to live for God, you're going to endure some temptation. You're going to endure some things that are contrary to the scripture. You understand that? You're going to have to live out some things that's in the scripture. But God, I would rather be honored by God on that day than to honor myself on this day. Somebody shout, endure. endure. Jesus said in John 3:6, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit, and that which is born of the flesh is flesh. You are flesh. You bleed when you're pricked. You scream when you hurt. You cry when you're broken. You are flesh, and flesh will have to endure. Said the spirit is willing But the flesh Is weak <laughs> I was Thinking about this morning I was praying at my house Before I came to the office And I wrestled with this statement For a few minutes Because I know it can be misconstrued But Something dawned on me Sister Doris It just kind of messed with my mind The Lord said to me this morning, and the way that He speaks to me, it wasn't audible, but the way He speaks to me, He said, You know, it's not going to be the super spiritual that make it to heaven. And I was like, Lord, the righteous are scarcely saved. Like, what, what do you mean? He said, Son, I want you to understand, and I want you to tell my people this morning, it's not about being super spiritual to make it to heaven. He said the people that are going to make it to heaven are the ones that have been intentional about denying their carnality. Am I making sense? It's not the super spiritual that inherit. It's the people that deny their carnality. And he said if people can learn to deny their flesh, spirituality happens. You gotta quit trying to be super spiritual. You gotta, you gotta quit wanting everybody to else uh, wanting everybody else to think how smart and how spiritual and how powerful. You gotta get over that. It's not about whether or not you think somebody's spiritual. It's about that one moment in time when you stand before the Lord and He looks at you and says, "You have been a good and a faithful servant." I wish that there was some gray area in between But Jesus said You're either going to hear enter in Or you're going to hear depart And the war that's within you right now Is for the departure But I declare to you in the name of Jesus Greater is he that is in you Than he that's in the world You're going to live through this You're going to outlast this You're going to stand one day Enduring temptation And you will receive that crown Of righteousness Let us stand together church I asked the Lord this morning I said can you please make sense of this statement to me He said son when the flesh is denied The spirit can live This isn't that hard It's really not It's pretty cut and dry If your goal in life Is to be seen of others and for them to say you're spiritual Jesus said that will be your reward He said that if you pray for others to see you And you fast for others to see you And then they pat you on the back and say man you're a good prayer I don't know how you fast like that He said that's your reward He said but who you are behind closed doors when nobody's watching you nobody's looking and you've been battling that war inside your head but you endure it and you win it he said your reward is going to be beyond the patting on the back of a man your reward is going to be in heaven listen to me I feel like encouraging somebody I came on this Sunday morning to encourage you if you'll endure you're going to make it and I want to encourage you and tell you you've got what it takes to endure you've got what it takes to outlast this you've got what it takes to outlast live it you are going to make it pastor what if i don't ever have wealth to enjoy before i get too old to enjoy it you just wait till you take that last breath and you've endured you're gonna think wealth I just, man, I don't know. If I don't, if I don't do this, if I don't take this job, I, 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 I'm, I, man, I'm just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm never going to have wealth to enjoy. What do you want? You want to leave it behind for your kids so they can fight over it? Don't worry about laying up treasures for yourself where moth and rust doth corrupt. Because I'm going to tell you something this morning. I've never been there. I've never seen it. Some of the vision, I just got to take John's word for it. Some of it, I got to just take Jesus' word for it that he's going away to prepare a place. But this is what I do know it's got walls of jasper, it's got gates of pearl, it's got a street of gold. It's 10,000 by 10,000 by 10,000. It's a city that's built four square. It was not built by the hands of men. It's a city that was built by the hand of God. And I feel today like that old writer. He said, I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. But if you're going to see the city, you've got to endure. Hallelujah. If you're in the house this morning and you could use just a little bit of strength to endure... I'm asking you right now to just step out. I know some of you are going through some terrible things. Some of you are in the trial of your faith right now. But I want to tell you there's strength to endure in this place right now. Whatever you need, it's in this house right now. You don't have to be a superhero today. If you just need the Lord to touch you and breathe a little breath of fresh air on you right now. I just want you to step out and throw them hands up to Jesus. And say, God, you've seen every step I've taken. You know everything. God, you know exactly where I'm at. You know the way that I take. And I'm asking you to breathe on me today the breath of life.